Hey everybody, I'm back with another episode of My Best Vintage Life. I hope you have all been well. I just wanted to extend a happy birthday to two special people. Today um, is the, let's see, it's the 21st of August and Today, my podcast pal, Krista from The Strange Sessions, is celebrating her birthday. So a birthday shout out to Krista. Happy birthday, Krista. And then tomorrow, my friend, and um, she was also my first interview, vintage store owner interview, Raina Basta of Born to Run Vintage. Uh, tomorrow was her birthday. So happy birthday, Raina. Got two birthday girls, two August birthdays. Um. I think I'm a little biased because my birthday's in July, but I think summer birthdays are really exciting and fun. So happy birthday to them. Uh, just a reminder to rate and review the podcast. I got a really nice review from, um, I believe, Rosemary. And I think she started following me on Instagram as well. It could not be the same Rosemary, but I highly doubt that. I'm sure it's probably her. She left me a really nice review. So I appreciate that, Rosemary or Rose, whatever you go by. Um, and if you have a chance, feel free to, to leave me a review. I really appreciate it. Like I said, ratings, the stars are great, but reviews are even better. And it just takes five minutes or less of your time just to say a few kind words. And as always, don't forget to follow the podcast on Instagram at my best vintage life podcast, constantly posting fashion-related content, vintage-related content on there and trying to keep it as interesting as I possibly can. I've gotten quite a few new followers, so um, if you're listening and following along on Instagram, thank you. And don't forget to check out my merch website, mybestvintagelifepodcast.com, for all sorts of goodies on there. And I think that's pretty much it. Um, As my friends on the Strange Sessions say, they call those their deets, so those are my deets. Um, and I feel like maybe last time I forgot to do an obsession at the moment. So my obsession at the moment this week is the both blog and Instagram account, The Court Jeweler. So it's basically a blog and Instagram account specifically dedicated to all the royal families around the world, all the monarchies, their jewelry and tiaras and I don't know. I find that sort of thing very fascinating. And no matter what your opinion is on monarchies or royals, I feel like who doesn't like looking at sparkling jewels? I don't know. Maybe there are people out there that don't like it, but I personally find it pretty entertaining. So um, I believe it's a woman that runs the site, or maybe it's more than one. She does a really great job. And It's kind of like my lunchtime thing, like while I'm eating my lunch, I kind of take a peek and see. She does a daily, daily diadem, which is usually like the tiara of the day. And she also has a tiara-opedia, which is like an encyclopedia of tiaras of all the different monarchies in the world. That's pretty fascinating. Um, And at this point in time, I can actually name probably most of the tiaras that the queen wears or that the royal family wears, except for like... The ones that they don't wear anymore. And when I say that, I mean the British royal family. So definitely kind of a nerd over that website. So if you're into history or the British royal family or any royal family in general or jewelry, crowns, tiaras, check it out. It's definitely worth your while. Okay, so my theme today is for people that don't like vintage clothing. Now, If you do like vintage clothing, you'll still find this episode enjoyable. 
But if you don't, I think um, I'm offering something to you, giving you other options, how to incorporate vintage in your life when it's not clothing that you want. And you know what? Not everybody loves vintage. There are definitely people out there who find it gross, find it disgusting. I get that. There's people out there who, because of whatever size they are, might not be able to find vintage clothing. And that's definitely something I encountered when I used to sell vintage And, um, you know, as a vintage seller, there's nothing much you can do about that unless you're remaking the clothes into more modern sizes. So I'm giving these people an option to incorporate vintage into their lives. And you know what? Some people, it's just not their thing. Once again, I totally get it. Believe me, for the most part, I feel like in my lifetime, I haven't had a ton of like super fashion loving friends. Definitely have had some Um, And some come and go, but for the most part, my closest friends haven't really been like big fashion people. You know, they appreciate what I do, they respect what I do, but they're not out like thrifting on the weekends or they don't have a closet full of vintage clothing at home. So I definitely know more than enough people that might find this episode interesting only because I'm not talking about clothing for once. So um, I'm basically going to go through a list I made of things that I I source for myself and that other people can source and they're just items that are fun and vintage but they aren't articles of clothing so here we go number one books okay so I think books are great for just about everyone I feel like even if people don't read books sometimes they use them as decoration um i've seen people and i've done this myself or the bookcases in my house i have like a vintage well i have built-ins my house was built in the 1950s early 1950s so i have like a cool built-in structure where basically all the books are vintage and i have them color-coded and i've seen plenty of other people do that and seen it on pinterest but i think when you do it with vintage books I don't know, there's just something about the fonts and the texture and the colors that you just don't get with modern books today. So even if you're not reading the books, they can be great for decoration. One of the best places I feel like you can go to for vintage books or just even used books, they don't necessarily have to be vintage, is a local bookshop. I try to support local if I can, especially when it comes to books. That's one of my favorite things to do when I go on a trip is kind of see what the local scene is like for used books. I stumbled upon a really great one when I was up in Guerneville, which is kind of um, in the Sonoma Valley. And it was just, it was a gold mine. They had so many different cool genres of books and they were all really reasonably priced. So try to go local if you can for these books. Um, I just feel like the cover art is better on vintage books. And like I said, the fonts, it offers a little bit something more to me, in my opinion, than most modern books. And you know what? Some modern books will, or like publishers will copy what a book used to look like. And it looks good. I'll give them credit. It looks good. But I personally find the old copy better. I love the smell of old books. I know some people don't, but I think it's just, I don't know. There's something very comforting about an old book smell to me. And, um, you know, if you're actually going to read them, that's even better. I think we, as a society, don't read enough. I'm definitely guilty of it. I know I've talked with people who are always saying, like, oh, I want to read more. 
Um, and for me, I think my biggest issue is it's just like so easy to go to my phone and read on my phone or like, you know, read articles on my phone. But I definitely want to start reading more books uh, because as a child, I was a voracious reader. And even as a teenager, it was really, I guess, when I got into college and I had to do so much reading for class that I kind of got bitter about reading. And I felt like I did so much reading for homework and for exams and stuff like that, that when the time came to have free time, I was like, I, I don't want to read. So um, in my opinion, books, vintage books are really great for everybody. They make great gifts. You can get so many cute vintage children books. Like I think that is a, um, a really unique baby shower idea. Um, if, you know, nowadays people say, oh, bring a book instead of a card for baby showers, maybe find like a little grouping of books in a theme that is um, specific to the person, you know, that you're giving the gift to. You know, if they like dogs or cats, you know, find some vintage cat books and give them to the person for their baby. I think that could be a really cool idea. So definitely um, vintage books is one of my top picks for something that is vintage, but is not clothing. Next is music. So this is a pretty broad category. It could be vinyl, it could be a cassette tape, it could be a CD. Um, In my opinion, as long as they work, like that's the most important thing. And maybe whatever speaks to you as a generation. I feel like I was a child of the 90s, so I definitely grew up in like the end of the tape era, more of a CD era, whereas like my brother was like a child of the 80s and he grew up with mostly tapes and then CDs came out. Um, There's eight tracks, you know, vinyl, whatever speaks to you. Um, I think that, you know, like I said, as long as it works, why not buy it? And um, a lot of stores have like thrift stores. um, I don't know necessarily about California, but definitely back east. They'll have stereos or record players where you can try before you buy to make sure that it works. So if that is an option for you, I would definitely suggest that. Um, not saying that like vinyl can't be pretty for decoration. I know p- they make um, album frames where you can just frame an album and hang it on the wall. Um, you know, not saying like you necessarily need it to work if you're looking more for the decoration aspect. And I think it's a really great way to be nostalgic and possibly teach younger generations about music that you used to like um as a parent or as an aunt an uncle big brother big sister I think that you know you're not just teaching them about music or the genre of music you're teaching them about like the medium you know is it a cd is a cassette tape you know um I feel like these days there really isn't like um as much of a tangible medium for music. I mean, obviously vinyl made a comeback and tapes kind of made a comeback, but there's nothing new, you know what I mean? So I feel like it's a really cool way to teach kids about, you know, how things used to be or just teach them about different kinds of music. So that's my suggestion on music there. Um, let's see. Oh, did I mention I have my dad's vintage vinyl collection? Um, It was definitely something that I had told him that I wanted a long time ago. And when I moved out to California, I brought it with me, not really knowing if any of it worked. It had been up in my parents' attic for years. And there was like my parents' house, my house growing up, we didn't have central air. We had air conditioning units in like certain rooms. So the attic was 
boiling hot in the summer and pretty cold in the winter. So as far as I know, every single one I've played thus far still works, which is impressive. It kind of shows you how um, sturdy, I guess, the vinyl is. So I'm proud to have that um, that collection and if you have any collections of any of these things that I'm mentioning, feel free to send me a picture and I'll share them on the Instagram. I think that would be really cool to see. So my next suggestion is furniture. And I'm talking about – I feel like in the in the interior world, there's like hard lines and soft lines. I think that's what they call it. So this would be a hard line, you know, like an actual hard piece of furniture. I think that's what they call them. I'm trying to think back when I worked at Urban Outfitters what they – the housewares department called them. I think I'm, I'm right there. I'm not sure though. Um, but furniture to me, vintage furniture is just so great to bring into your home. It's really kind of like with clothing. It's great to mix in with new pieces. Um, and it kind of keeps your house from having like that home goods exploded all over the place. Look, don't get me wrong. You can find some really unique things at home goods. Um, I haven't been to one in a long time, but when I first moved here, I definitely got some stuff at Home Goods, but some people kind of just take it to like you. I just I hate when I walk into someone's house and I'm like, oh my god, you literally bought everything at Home Goods. <laughs> and for the most part, the stuff you get there is not very well made, and it's probably not made with um, you know the people who are making it. They're not being considered or their well being being considered kind of like fast fashion. So I mean, that's not to say there aren't quality things at home goods or things that are sustainably made but for the most part it's a lot of crap so if you can incorporate some vintage furniture into your house I think that's really good now on the same token I think having like everything vintage in your house is kind of a crazy look too so I think that's why it's important to mix and match and um you know, kind of balances itself out. Kind of like when people wear all vintage in an outfit, it can look costumey. Well, if you have, you know, an entire house filled with like 1950s furniture, it can look kind of like a movie set versus like a modern day house that has some kitschiness to it. So that's just my two cents on that. Um, with furniture, I'd say always inspect before buying. Um, if you have someone in your life who is handy or knows furniture well or knows wood or construction well, you know, and there's a piece that you want, maybe take them with you and get their opinion on it. Um, obviously, make sure you measure and it's something that can fit through your door and, and fit in your house. Um, I think the the best place to find vintage furniture is like an actual vintage furniture store. A lot of times it's ultra curated and um you know you can kind of just go right in and it's not like you're you know doing a ton of digging it's just there for you so I, I love vintage furniture stores um but also flea markets depending on where you live you can find some really cool pieces I mean the flea markets out here I found a ton of stuff for my house um from really big pieces all the way to like small tchotchkes knickknacks so keep that in mind flea markets and um, also, you're in, like when you're inspecting, make sure it's not gross. Look for stains. Look for bugs. Look for like bug skeletons, because um, if you find stuff like that, there's a good chance it might still be living in there. So, you know, pick up the cushions of a sofa. Pick up the cushions of a chair. If it's a clean place to do so, flip the chair over. Look at the underbelly. What's crawling around? What looks like. You know, I mean, you might have like pet hair or cigarette smoke. Think about all that stuff and like what you can actually fix and what can't be fixed. And obviously, 
um, reupholstering something is always an option if you have the money and a resource to do so. And, you know, like I said, be eclectic, mix your eras. I think, you know, I definitely have some pieces in my house from mostly from the 60s, some from the 70s, some from the 80s. Like, it's a hodgepodge. The more you mix, I think the more natural it looks versus like going full-blown one era. So getting to what I just said about um, chuchkis and knickknacks, and Art didn't know what a chuchki is. So back east, that's definitely a word that's used for a knickknack. Um, I've always used it growing up. My mom used it. I want to say that it's um, like Jewish American slang. I think so. I believe it's like used a lot. I want to say like its origination was New York City. And I'm only saying this because I was a language major in college and I had to take a lot of linguistics classes. So I want to say that's its its basis. So knickknacks, we'll just say knickknacks so I don't confuse anybody. But um, these also make really great gifts similar to a book. And... um, You know, it's nice maybe for somebody who has a collection of things, you can definitely create a more unique gift for them by giving them a small gift that is vintage and has some unique element to it. Um, To me, like what falls into this category would be like a vase or vase, however you say it, (laughs) Uh, brass figurines, ceramics, pottery, little things that you can decorate. I do think that the definition of a chochki is something that while it serves a purpose of like looking nice, it doesn't actually serve a purpose. I mean, I guess a a vase holds something, but for me, like I use vases in my home and I don't put water in them. I don't put flowers in them. They're kind of just there. So, and also um, a lot of people have little knickknacks that are mementos from their family. And I think you can really display those nicely and kind of add some character to your home, whether you put them on a shelf or put them in a shadow box, um, something like that, you know, just to kind of add some character. And um, I don't know, I really, I like knickknacks. I think a lot of people are against them because it kind of, you know, goes against like the the home purging um, KonMari method thing. And believe me, I KonMari'd the shit out of my life before I moved into 2016. And Um, I still have knickknacks and have acquired some since I moved here. I think as long as you don't go crazy, you know, you don't need like 200 shot glasses, but maybe it's okay to have like five vintage ones. (laughs) Um, Don't go too crazy. Okay, my next um, choice for something that's vintage, um, but not clothing would be wall art. And I think that, um, you know, a lot of people definitely take advantage of the large selection of vintage wall out out there what whether it's canvas or an oil painting or even just like a wall hanging it doesn't necessarily have to be something that was painted or drawn um i think it's a really great way to fill a um a gallery wall and i love when people do gallery walls and they mix mediums so it's not just all paintings or they do cool things with the frames um kind of go a little outside the box for sure and gallery walls are really hard to put together I have two in my house they're not really big ones but holy crap it took me forever to kind of figure out the way that I wanted them to look and where like what I wanted where Um, so definitely kind of maybe do some practice layouts before you hang anything up Um, I really like brass hangings I think those are beautiful and they add some 
some kind of like shimmer and texture to your wall. Hook and loom is super big. I have a few of those in my house. You can find really unique ones that people made. You know, they might have gotten one of those kits at a craft store, but like back in the 60s or 70s and now it's super relevant and on trend. So I really like hook and loom or any kind of textile wall hanging uh, can be really beautiful. The one thing I'll suggest that I think is a, a nice idea is if, for example, you have a picture that you can't afford to have it framed or it's like an odd size, um, if you use a vintage pant hanger, that can be a really great way to hang a photo. So you don't have to do a frame, you don't have to do you know like anything super expensive if you can find a vintage pant hanger at a thrift store or maybe you have one laying around your house that can be a really great way to hang something up on the wall and add some texture and add some some you know like a unique touch to your house basically so my next suggestion is textiles or you know some people call it like soft lines um I feel like this is a huge industry. People really love vintage blankets, vintage rugs, vintage tablecloths, vintage napkins, whatever. Um, definitely can add a unique element to your home. But once again, like inspect things really, really well before you bring them home. Um, or, you know, at least wash them before you bring them home if you can, or like put them right in your laundry room so that, you know, you don't bring anything into your house that you don't want to but I think that it can be a really beautiful way to add color and texture to your house uh, just be reasonable about what you're willing to care for so keep in mind like while most modern textiles are machine washable a lot of vintage ones are not vintage sheepskins are not I mean I wash my sheepskin that I have at my house but it's not vintage um think about okay am I going to want to take something to the dry cleaner every so many months can I afford to do that so just be reasonable I think a lot of people buy stuff and then they don't think like oh crap I can't just throw this in the washing machine so with textiles uh, be careful what you choose and what you buy so this is kind of a fun suggestion that popped into my mind that I, I would not have thought of I don't know why it popped into my head but cars vintage cars so if you're listening to this thus far and nothing has like piqued your interest, um, maybe you need a vintage car in your life. I love vintage cars, whether you call them vintage, classic, antique. Every state has different um, kind of like rules about what is what. So like my Jeep Wrangler is a 1997 and in Pennsylvania, it's a classic car, <laughs> which is really cool. I had it made a classic car. It has a classic plate and... Um, I paid like a $30 registration fee and I'll never have to register it again in that state. I don't know. I didn't switch the registration in California. Don't tell on me. I get a little nervous when I'm out driving it. I don't drive it frequently, but whenever I am out driving, I'm like, oh God, is a cop going to pull me over and be like, what the hell kind of license plate is that? Because in, in Pennsylvania, the classic plate is white with like purple letters. So it definitely would stick out like a sore thumb here. <laughs> Um, but I definitely, I mean, most people would look at my Jeep and be like, that's not a classic car. And people have said that to me. I kind of agree with them, but it saved me money and it saved me like a ton of insurance. Um, so that was nice, but, um, I definitely have like some dream vintage cars. I love things. So it's called like the thing. It kind of looks like, um, 
like a Hummer body, I guess, like a Hummer Jeep hybrid body, but it has like a convertible roof. And I think they were made in the 60s and I believe it was by Volkswagen. So, and obviously I love uh, vintage Mercedes. I really should have bought one before I moved from Pennsylvania because I guess I thought vintage cars were expensive out there. But then when I moved here and started looking, I was like, "Uh oh, I made a big mistake because they're a lot more expensive in California. Um, and if you are going to buy a vintage car, I'd say, you know, take somebody with you who knows cars and knows what you're buying, if it's like a lemon or not. Because uh, just because something looks cute from the outside does not mean that it functions. And especially the older cars, it's, you know, it's expensive to fix them and you might not necessarily be able to find the parts super easily. So definitely a suggestion there. My dad is a big motorhead. He's always loved cars. So I think I've learned a thing or two from him and, um, you know, just kind of what to look out for and what to be careful of. So, and obviously be mindful of gas mileage. Some old cars are gas guzzlers and, uh, you don't want, you don't want a car that's like that these days with the cost of gas because the cost of gas, whenever the car was made, I'm sure was way cheaper than what it is now. And I would say, like, if you don't have a place to store it, don't buy it. Like, I just feel like with a, a, an old car, you need to have some sort of garage space. Um, you know, in, in the on the East Coast, if you are in an area that gets snow, you frequently have to deal with salt on the road. And that can really corrode the undercarriage of a car versus, you know, California. You have, like, in Fresno, we have super high heat and super high sun, which can fade. So you have different problems in different states um so definitely i'd say like unless you have somewhere really great to store it don't buy it um or like if you don't live in a really great neighborhood and people are frequently breaking into cars or vandalizing cars maybe don't buy a vintage car either or unless you know you can invest in a storage space somewhere at like a storage facility that's always an option Okay, so next suggestion would be appliances or electrical objects. Um, I have a vintage Wedgwood stove in my house, and I love it. It's definitely not, um, you know, the most eco-friendly thing in terms of energy use and money, but my kitchen wouldn't be my kitchen without it, and it set the bar very high for for stoves from here on out so um, whether it be a stove a light fixture a lamp a record player I would definitely get an expert opinion before you buy something or if you're able to before you buy it make sure that it works and uh, it's definitely a great addition to your home and it adds character but you always want to be safe especially something that could potentially be you know a fire hazard Um, I have two vintage lamps and I'll tell you right now like unless I really need them I unplug them so I don't know just kind of like peace of mind like okay this is unplugged and at least I know I can't like start a fire or anything like that um not everybody is that particular but it it doesn't hurt unless you have something completely rewired by an electrician um that's always a really great option for electrical items I know my stove my old landlords had my stove refinished so I think it could use like a little bit of a tune-up but at least I know that it's not like all the original guts um you know it's it's been refinished in a sense so definitely use an expert opinion there glassware and drinkware so this is perfect for your kitchen or your bar cart 
definitely fun to mix and match. Um, I kind of like the approach that people are taking nowadays where, you know, whether it's a dinner party or just dinner with your loved ones or maybe just dinner with yourself, um, you don't have to be so fussy and things don't have to be so perfect. And I like that. I like that there's less of an emphasis on perfect. I feel like people don't even really get like China anymore for their weddings. I personally would, if I was getting married, I would be more interested in getting like maybe a new set of just everyday dishes or maybe a special set of drink glasses. But let's be real. I bought red and white wine glasses when I first moved here. I think I have one out of four red wine glasses left and like I don't know. I think I have a whole new set of white wine because that's how many times either I or someone else have broken them in my house. So certain things like wine glasses I usually buy at like Ikea. (laughs) But if you can find special ones that are vintage, um, you know, that's always a great option as well. Just, you know, if you're planning on getting ultra tipsy, I wouldn't use your favorite glasses. That's kind of like my my go-to especially with clothes and jewelry and stuff like don't wear a super expensive ring um or like something super like a big memento or whatever like if it's a family heirloom or something don't wear that if you're you know going out drinking or planning on getting really drunk um it's probably just better to wear things that you don't really care about okay so lastly sorry i'm getting texts out the wazoo and i turned my phone off but for some reason iMessage. I have to figure out how to turn off the sounds on iMessage on my computer. So if you hear those, you're not getting texts. I'm getting texts. <laughs> uh, so lastly, and I'm sure I've forgotten stuff and feel free to tell me if you have other suggestions, but lastly, I would say pots and plants. So I'm, I've actually gotten quite a few plants at thrift stores, local ones in the Fresno area at least. Um, and sometimes you're lucky enough they just give you the pot they don't care and sometimes the plants aren't in the best shape and they end up dying but at least you got a cool pot out of it so I feel like there's definitely um, you know a lot of demand for vintage pots and it's a really great way to you know make your plants look cuter make your patio look cuter whatever you know wherever you're placing your plants so um, it's kind of hard to call a, a plant vintage but sometimes you can get really old plants Uh, Facebook marketplace is a great place to look for that you know people are selling a really old cactus or really old jade tree or something like that and they just want to get rid of it so I definitely suggest looking on there if you're looking for older plants and also maybe an older pot that comes with it um you know and like I said flea markets can be a great place to look actually I don't think I said that I said thrift stores flea markets are a really great place to buy buy like plants and vintage pots as well so add some greenery to your life clean the air in your house it's it's a really great way to go So that's pretty much it for my suggestions. Um, Like I said, if you think I forgot any or if you have any, please let me know. And um, if you want to send me any pictures of items that you cherish that aren't vintage, those can count as listener stories as well. If you want to send me a picture, maybe like a little little text describing what it is, I'd be happy to share that on... um, on the Instagram and thanks to everyone who's been participating in the what the fuck was I wearing 
I'll call it campaign. Um, every Sunday I've been posting a picture of myself in an old outfit that I find ridiculous, not necessarily wearing all vintage or wearing any vintage, but I think it's just good to be able to laugh at yourself. And I've had some people send me photos of them. Um, and it looks like we kind of all make some bad choices in our life <laughs> in terms of our clothing. So thanks for everybody who has been um, sending those in. And I don't think I really have anything else. I did birthdays. Um, so what I'm going to be doing in between regular episodes is, uh, so like every other week I'll be doing a mini episode and I'm going to be doing an alphabetical journey through historical fashion designers. Um, and I'm going to start with the letter A. So next week will be Azadine Alaya. Um, if you don't know anything about Alaya, please tune in. He uh, sadly is no longer with us. He passed away, but uh, I feel like his work will be looked upon forever as, you know, genius in the realm of fashion. So I think that it's really important to to talk about him and potentially educate you if you have no idea who he is. Um, I'm going to be trying to pick designers that I think are like lesser known and less obvious than more mainstream ones. That way you have a greater chance of learning something new. And I definitely don't consider him a mainstream designer. I mean, to some people, I'm sure, especially the people that hold him in really high regard, but to, you know, a person who has a very basic, uh, like baseline level of knowledge of fashion, they probably don't know much about him. So that'll be going on next week. I'm also working on um, another podcast segment. So I really enjoy talking to people that own vintage stores, but I thought, you know, how can I um, incorporate other people onto the show that love fashion, but maybe don't necessarily work with vintage or they, I should say that they love vintage, but don't necessarily work with it. So I kind of wanted to do something similar to Vogue's uh, 73 questions. I think it is kind of like rapid fire where it's not like a super heavy conversation. It's more just lighthearted. Um, that way I can incorporate more people in the fashion world into the podcast um, and not have it just be vintage shop owners. Not that there's anything wrong with them. We love them. Um, but I'm trying to make this kind of like all-inclusive. So I have uh, my first person lined up for that. Um, she's very cool and she is co-founder of a very cool shoe brand. I'm not going to say her name yet because I kind of want it to be a surprise, but um, I'm going to be very excited to have her on the show. Let's just say that I still have to kind of get the questions narrowed down though, because I want it to be perfect. So just to give you a heads up, there are some fun things coming your way. Um, and you know, I've, I don't know if I mentioned this, but like the last few weeks podcasts, my podcast rankings have been super, super high. And a lot of that has to do with you listening, you rating and you reviewing. So I can't do this without you and I just wanted to say that I really appreciate your listenership and your support and I hope that you continue to do so and if you have any suggestions for the show or any constructive criticism um, you know you can feel free to send those my way. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine who has a podcast and he was reading a review to me that somebody left of his podcast and it was literally one of the rudest, meanest things I've ever read. And I just want to say that saying mean things about people, saying rude things about people, and not that anybody's done this to me yet, but that isn't going to do anything for anyone. Keep that stuff to yourself. That's bullshit. Don't do it. 
constructive criticism. If you have a suggestion for somebody, whether you think they're great or you think they're really bad, be constructive about it and be kind. There's no reason to be an asshole. Like life's too short for that. So that's my two cents on that. Whether it's my podcast or another podcast, be kind or anybody's work, anybody's passion project, their creative project. Just be kind about it and do things in a gentle way. That's all I really have for this week, guys. So in the meantime, stay safe. Don't be basic. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.